0: Like I mentioned, our series is called Emmanuel, God With Us. That's quite a blend of theology. It is a blend of two powerful people, God with us, which means you have God and then you have Jesus who is among us. So it's a blend of proper theology, which is the study of God and his attributes. And then as you see, we'll be talking about a Christ which theologians call Christology, which is the person, nature, and role of Christ. It's a blend of two big theologies. So if you hear big words, bear with me. Amen. I'm warning you ahead of time. Uh, The Bible has said that long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers. There is this thing called uh, the first word. I don't know if you, you remember the first word you mentioned, uh, you said. Anybody remembers their first words? There's a thing called first word. I, I hope they could put a, a tournament, I mean, for people who can remember their first I mean, who cares if you remember your first word or not. But I remember about my kids, you know, I think Chloe's first word was jush, jush. Uh, we all have first words that we speak. Before a child speaks their first word, parents go through a lot to learn how to communicate with a child. For those of you that have young babies and for those of you that are pregnant, it's a huge process to learn how to communicate with this fellow human being that depends on you it's a long process and finally when the child speaks their first word there is excitement in the house oh my goodness finally we can speak the same language there is joy why because communication is important it is very important the door of communication when the child speaks opens up, and now they can say what they want, what they feel. And then you go into the terrible twos and three najas, and they become bossy and sassy, and you're like, I didn't know this was coming, and I didn't see it coming. But communication is very important, it is very important. Because clear communication is vital. God in His unlimited power and wisdom put in place, as we have read, different mediums through which humans can communicate with Him. And as we are going to see our text today, that the God of the Bible is a God who speaks. He does speak. So. The the author of Hebrews says, long ago at many times and in many ways. Here you see the writer is struck by the grand diversity of God's speech in the Old Testament. If you have read Genesis 1, you know that out of nothing but His Word, God created the heavens and the earth. Out of nothing. He did not need pre-existing materials to create The universe out of his word he spoke and things came alive came into existence so when god created the universe out of his word he did not leave it motionless or static or stagnant he gave it the ability to move and to speak i love it the ability to move and to speak, one of the renowned Bible commentators that we love to use here at Woodside, if you hang around Pastor circles, his name is Kent Hughes. Kent Hughes is a very, he's a very famous Bible commentator. He writes so well. I love him. I got introduced to him by a great man of God. He says that the way God speaks to us through nature is called God's cosmic eloquence. He calls it God's cosmic eloquence. In Psalm 19, if you're wondering, Psalm 19:1, David being overcome by God's order and creative design of nature, David declares, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. God speaks. God speaks to us through what He made, and His voice through nature is vivid and clear. He has surrounded us with fantastic displays of His craftsmanship to communicate to us but many of us will not listen, will not listen. It is very humbling in most cases that people who will confess to have listened to God do so after coming to the end of their lives. Like when you hit the bottom of life, when your marriage is shaken to the core, When every child in your house has rebelled and then you're taking a walk along Lake Michigan on the beach, lonely, paralyzed by fear, and you sit there and you begin pouring your tears in the sand, and then out of the crashing waves of the lake, you hear a very clear voice, and then you write a book. God speaks. <laughs> you write a book about it. Why do we wait for crushing devastating moments to hear God? He speaks every day. Every day. Nature cries out. Pastor Frequent likes to sit by Detroit River. Brother, I'm sorry for revering your secret. But when this man is feeling crushed by the weight of ministry, he doesn't go home to ask Kisha, where is my favorite meal? No. He doesn't go on TV. That kind of stuff doesn't fill you up. He goes to the river. And there, God speaks clearly. And then we see him here delivering the Word of God, and you're like, man, what did this man eat? God speaks. He doesn't speak when we're at the end of our lives. He speaks. Do not wait for the darkest moments of your life to hear the cosmic eloquence of God. No. So God spoke to our fathers, according to verse 1, by the prophets. You know, if you are familiar with the terrain of Old Testament, you know that God spoke through different prophets. Spoke through like a Christian was telling us out of Isaiah. Spoke through Ezekiel, Daniel, Habakkuk. Some of your major prophets, you know the Malachi. And this is what we call, this is what we call God's prophetic eloquence. Speaks through prophets. Uh, When... Apostle Peter was dealing with this or reflecting on God's prophetic eloquence. This is what Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. He says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So God spoke through the prophets, through human messengers. God spoke to his people. But even with all this diversity, all this grand diversity of God's eloquence, something was still missing. God's speech was still incomplete. That is why that's where we come in. Oh, I love this part. It gets me excited. Even with all this cosmic eloquence, prophetic eloquence, there was a piece that was missing and that is what we call god's incarnate eloquence i was expecting to hear some amen amen <laughs> so verse 2 but in the last but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son how does god speak to us through his son jesus is God's final word. In these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. He is God's incarnate eloquence. He is the ultimate medium of God's communication. And this is why we name this series Emmanuel, God with us. Through his son Jesus, God became visible and tangible in human form. And so by doing so, sending his son to be born among us without neglecting who he is as God and becoming human, Jesus became our perfect teacher. That's number one. You will never find another perfect teacher than Jesus, the son of the living God. No, because through Jesus, God is teaching and who is a better teacher than God? No. So Jesus, by becoming one of us, became a perfect teacher. And number two, he became the perfect example. I was driving with my daughters this morning, and I was, they always ask me questions about my parents. And I, I like to share. They tell them how my dad was a wonderful man, but how he used to beat my mom all the time. So much, he beat her. Gets bruised, a lot of domestic violence. My mom, I don't think she was weak, but this man was so abusive, and abuse gets to your head. And so he beat her until she left the house. She left us, she she went away. But then he married another woman. Whoo! God bless that sister. He tried, my old man tried the same trick. Try the same trick. Got his big stitch that we used to beat our cows when they wander into people's fields, and he says, I'll beat you like a cow. He started beating her, and she held that stick. She said, you beat your old wife, and she left you. You're not going to beat me anymore. I'm not a cow. If you brought me here to raise your children, you better treat me as a a partner. (laughs) You're not going to beat me Jeez, I had never seen such boldness from a woman. I was a little boy, and I said, bravo, 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 bravo. So I tell my daughters, my father was a good man, but he's not the greatest example. But I told them, we were playing good, good father in the car. You're a good, good father. That's are. You're perfect in all of your ways. And I told him, that is the God we worship. He's perfect in all of his ways. So when he sends his son to us, he's saying, see me. He's the perfect teacher. He's the perfect example. And then he becomes our perfect sacrifice. Jesus, hey, I haven't even started preaching. Jesus is our perfect example. Amen. And our perfect sacrifice. Which means, which means, ladies and gentlemen, we must listen to him when he speaks. And as our big idea mentions today, that he is God's ultimate word. Because he is God's eloquent word, we must listen when he speaks. We must listen. And we'll see how Jesus is God's ultimate word. Number one, Jesus is God's creating word. The author has told us in Hebrews, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son, whom we appointed the heir, heir which makes Jesus the inheritor of all things, through whom also he created the world. Through whom he created the world. Jesus is God's creating word. Word. He is God's creating Word. Does anybody here drive an old car? I'm going to summarize this, and I'm yes, Christian. Somebody else, anybody drive an old car? Let me explain this. Anybody, like me, drive an old car? We're not going to talk about the years and the models and the make, but I drive a Toyota 2007 Raffle. Hallelujah! Somebody. (laughs) My wife drives a Toyota 2005 Highlander. Now, each one of each, both of these cars have over 200,000 miles on them. I hear people say, "Oh, you can drive a Toyota forever." Toyota, I'm not making an an advertisement for you. This is a Detroit Motor City. (laughs) Forgive me for driving Toyota. Now, I bought them one way in the south. And almost everybody in the South drives Japanese cars. I was surprised. But if you drive an old car like me, you probably have more than one light on your dashboard. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you probably have a light that you have ignored for a long time. As long as you crank that thing and it runs... Who cares about the light? My dashboard is full of lights. Sometimes for the dash for the Rav, you sit in it, you're like, Victor. <laughs> so that's why I bought this thing. Anybody? Any of you have this thing? Huh? Yes, sir. (laughs) You see? People who drive old cars know this stuff. So you buy this thing, and you keep it in your car. Because I have taken my car to the mechanic. It's so annoying. I have these lights on. I take it to the mechanic. I pay to diagnose the problem. And then he says, Victor, I think it's fixed. I crank the thing. I drive. Before I even reach home, the lights are back. Like, I'm tired of people taking my money. So I know, uh, you know, I watched some YouTube videos after it was a long frustration. So I ended up buying this thing. Now, every time I change my oil, just to be sure, crank it, plug it in, and then I read. This thing can read codes, and then what you do, you know, you know what it does, and then you can arrest the codes if you don't like them. And you know, <laughs> and then you put it back in the storage. And then you drive. Because now you know the problem. But it doesn't fix the what? The problem. Sometimes when these codes come up on my car, I get angry, irritated. And I sit there one, sometimes because Seijo is scared of driving my car. My wife is scared of <laughs> driving my car. So I sit in that car and I say, I wish I knew somebody. Up in the line of Toyota. Who made this car? I wish I knew them by phone or by address. I could write them. Like I talked to Sandy and say, Sandy, come take a look at my car. Like I talked to Waltz. I mean, Walter, come and take I, I wish I knew those people, but I don't. So all I can do is sit in my car and wish. And if I am lucky, I can diagnose it. I ignore my, my lights. My warning lights are there looking at me. And many of us, many of us go through our lives just like an old car. Just like an old car. Now I'm coming to the point about Jesus being the creating word of God. We go through our lives like an old car. So many warning lights coming up, up and down. Some of us have a dashboard full of warning lights. But you know what we've done? We've ignored these lights. And if you're smart like me, you buy one of these little guys, and then you put it in, easy, quick fix, and then you think you're okay, and you keep going. Here and there, you get warning lights about what is happening? You're eating habits, probably, are not the greatest, but you're like, I'll be all right. And you go to the doctor, they tell you, you better watch that. And you say, oh, I'll be all right. And then you go, I don't want to say where you go. You know where you go to get your fix, your quick fix. You know. And then you go back, and it's, and it's more weight and more problems. And then it started out with one warning light. You ignore it. Ignore it. And then it, and then it leads to more. And then you start hanging out with your girlfriend and then before you know it you are in a compromising situation and you 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 keep going and you know this is not the right road to take and you can see a warning light coming up probably it's just a little warning light that says fix your brakes or tell me the some of those codes you look at it you say this is not taking me i need to change the oil But ignore the oil, and then you keep going, and then before you know it, you are in a very deep, compromised situation. You are sinning, and you think it is okay, and you keep driving, and you keep going. Most of us know the digits of the maker. We know the person who can fix the code. Don't you sit here and tell me that you don't know the number. You know. Whatever is eating you from inside, we know, we know. The codes of the maker. But what do we do? Quick fix, and we keep moving. Before you know it, it has spread. The whole dash is full of lights. Now I got truth, Some I got some truth for all of us today. Take a pause, stop today, and dial the number. Yeah. Dial the number. Jesus is the creating word of God. There is no human model that he doesn't know. He knows the Lexus, he knows the a GM, he knows the Taco. There's no car. Called human that he doesn't know. Every light that pops up, he knows it. Because he wrote the menu. He was in the production process. He knows you inside out. So why do you run to different places, trying to look for a quick fix, and ignore the maker of your model? Go to your model. Stop. You can lie to your friends and pretend, but you can never lie to the person who made you. Is the agent through whom you and I were created and formed. Don't go to places that are going to take you money for nothing. Children of God, make the call. Make the call. You don't know how many times I walk in the morning as I am praying and I say, Lord, thank you for coming. Just that one sentence. I can say that sentence for an hour and two hours. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Where would I be if you did not come? I was. And then I start, you know, get raw with your God, get real. He knows you inside out. Uh, uh, Number two, Jesus is God's revealing word. Jesus is God's revealing word. And look at verse three, part A. He says, he's the radiance of of the glory of God. So he's the radiator of God. The radiance of the glory of God, an exact imprint of His nature. which means God reveals who God is. I mean Jesus reveals who God is, rather. Is the radiant? Jesus not merely a pale imitation of his father, as a human ruler, human ruler's son may be. He's not just pale. No, He radiates the glory of God, and is the exact representation of his being. The book of Mark, chapter 9, verse 2 and 3, tells us that while Jesus was on the transfiguration mountain with a few of his disciples, he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. So here on this mountain through the sun, the Father's glory is revealed. Jesus does not simply reflect God's glory. He is part of it. If you read the book of John, one of the very, very good books that reveal who Jesus is. If you read the book of John, you will see again and again and again and again Jesus saying these words, the Father and I are one. Again and again, so I can take you through that book and I'll show you and I'll, even when he's praying on the last minute with his disciples in John 15, he's still calling on his Father. And he says the same words. The Father and I are one. This is why he could say that if anyone, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And that's why God would say after the transfiguration experience, the voice comes from heaven and He says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. God's son is the physical presence of God among the people. Now, I know some of us have parents. When you walk around on a street, I remember walking the streets of Uganda, people would tell me that I look like my dad. I know some of us have the same physical likeness of our parents. It's a good thing for people to say that you look like your dad. And if you are curious like me, when I'm standing there and I'm looking at those kids, sometimes I'm looking at them closely and I say, ah, oh, now I see the image of both your parents. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come we, on. We love to look for the image of parents in the children. It's a good thing. But like I said, if you're like me and your dad looks like you outside, But on the inside, you don't want anything to do with him. What do you do? What do you do? Because some of us, physically, outside, we look like our parents. But not their character. When you meet Christ, sometimes you, most of the times you say, you've had men, women say, I don't want anything to do with my father. Doesn't mean they don't want anything to do with his physical likeness. It's the character. I've heard my sisters make a confession. You hear them sometimes say, I married just my father. Sometimes it is a heartbreaking confession. It could be a positive thing, but most of the times when the girls, when ladies make that confession, they realize that they are so broken by the past relationship they had with their dad. And now they are seeing that in their husband. Where do you go when you have such character conflicting issues. That's why Jesus came to reveal a good Father to us, to reveal a perfect teacher to us, to reveal a perfect example to us. That's why He came to point us to a heavenly Father from whom every good and perfect gift originates. I love what James writes, I love James 1:17. he says, he's the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. While my biological father can change, my heavenly father does not change. He is a good father, he's the rock of ages. I can run to him after one year and ten years, and he's the same rock of ages. The rock of ages that no erosion can erode, that no problems of the world can push. He's the rock of ages. I can lean on that. I can survive on that. When my world is shaking, So Jesus is the revealer. He's the revealing word of our Father. If you see Jesus, you have seen. He's the presence of the glory of God among humans. And through Christ, you and I have the privilege to know God personally and experientially. Know your God. No excuses. Oh, God, you know, I don't know you personally. If you've known Jesus, you know God. Oh, I, these days I'm not experiencing God as I used to. Walk with Jesus and you will experience God. Unlimited experience through Jesus. When we see Jesus, we know what the God of the universe is like. We know how he thinks, we know how he talks, we know how he relates people. He's a good shepherd. Don't you ever forget that. He's a faithful, he's a patient gardener. He will till you, he will mulch you, he will prune you when you become stubborn because he cares about you. He's a good father. And number three, as we see as I finish, three uh, Jesus is God's saving word. So he's the radiance of the glory of God and exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. After making purification for sins. So the author now turns from Who Jesus sees to what he has done? He made purification for sins by his own blood. Jesus offered himself on the cross, and through that, he became the perfect sacrifice that pleased the Father. And so through him, Jesus, our debt of sin is paid in full. If you remember... The Old Testament, when the priests went in to offer the sacrifice, they always kept walking. They would never sit. They would never sit. In the Holy of Holies, they are there offering the sacrifice, and they are walking. There is no sitting because the sacrifice is not complete. It's not complete. BUT BECAUSE JESUS' SACRIFICE WAS COMPLETE, ON THE CROSS WHERE HE SAID IT IS FINISHED, LIKE I SAID IT'S THE PERFECT SACRIFICE, HE'S ABLE TO SIT ON THE RIGHT HAND SIDE OF HIS FATHER. AND HEBREW SAYS THAT HE'S NOT JUST SITTING THERE. IN THIS SUPREME EXALTATION OF GOD'S RIGHT HAND THAT CHRIST IS seated IN, He's also interceding for us, interceding for us, praying for you and I because He loves us, because He loves us. Like I told you, this is a blend of theology proper and Christology. If God has one word, if God had one word or one message, to speak, to reveal, to say to us, what would that word be? Come on. God had one word, one message, one, thank you, one word. I can stand here and speak about Jesus all day. One word. If God ever had one word, one message, to speak, to reveal, to say to us, it is Jesus. Jesus, nothing else. God says, he's my beloved son. Listen to him. Hear him. See him. Believe him. But as with any communication, I've said, I've talked about the eloquence of God. As with any communication, words accomplish nothing unless they are received. I can stand here and speak all day. But if you don't receive what I'm saying, so it doesn't matter how God has spoken. Cosmic eloquence, prophetic eloquence, incarnate eloquence, if we don't receive those words, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why he went through everything he went, so we can believe what he's teaching and receive him. So you haven't, if you haven't received Jesus... This is it. Some people wonder, how do I listen? And I'm finishing. How do I listen? Before I say that, the author of Hebrews gives a very stark warning. If you look at Hebrews 12, 25, he says, See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. (laughs) Uh, That one. For if they did not escape when they refused him, who won them on earth? Much less will we escape if we reject him who wants from heaven. So how do we listen? Here is my practical method. And you can take it or you can leave it. But here's my practical way that I have listened to my God. I call it the rest model. Rest. If you have notes, you can write it down. R-E-S-T. Number one, receive Jesus. R, receive Jesus. The incarnate eloquence of God is God's Word visible and tangible in human form. Rest, see Jesus, and E, engage with Him daily in reading and meditating on Scripture until His Word has dwelt in you richly. Engage with Him in Scripture. And then S. Sit. Under-preaching in corporate worship. Sit. Under-preaching. Anybody that has followed this will tell you, I can hear God speak to me clearly. And then, T, talk about Him. Just talk about Him. Find a Christian community that supports you. Talk about Jesus in your life groups, with your friends. Talk about Jesus. And then, after building that confidence of who he truly is, and you've been talking to him, then you can talk to non believers about him. Some of us, we want to go to non believers before we talk to believers. <laughs> and then you go, to, I don't want to go there. Talk to your God. Through Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, God speaks to us. Can we listen? Can we listen? Can we listen? If you've had issues with listening to the Word of God, to the incarnate eloquence of God, please come. Let's talk.